Hi, I'm Carly Ross Seibert from Retail Alliance, and I'm joined here today by Joey Morgan and our guest, Mary Landgreen from Retail Inventory Solutions. This is the Retail Is podcast. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. We'd love for you to just introduce yourself a little bit about what you do in your business. Sure. I, um, I'm Mary Langreve. I'm with Retail Inventory Solutions. It's a consulting company. It's my company. Um, we do um, consulting with retail clients, um, all independent retail. So some have multi-locations, but um, they're all independent retailers. What we focus around is um, inventory planning, um, open to buy planning, um, and then strategies to improve profitability and turn rate. So um, all kinds of different things related to that. And then we, we provide data that helps retailers um, make sound decisions around their business with confidence. So yeah. that's, that's the majority of what we do. It, it lends itself into all kinds of other, um, I've called myself part-time um, consultant, part-time counselor over the last six months. So. Okay. And I know that's been a big part um, of our relationship. We've, we've known each other now for quite a few years. So, and you've always had the knowledge, like you've always been interested in the trends that have been going on, you know, things that have been new that affect businesses, not just what you're offering, but, you know, in the wider economy as well. So, and today I think we're going to talk a little bit about what's been happening um, over the last six months, how things have changed and, you know, leading up, well, some would say we're in the holiday season even mm. now. Um, so what's going on? What are the trends? So I would I definitely to... say that uh, it's our trend right now to talk about the trends. So let's keep going on that. Let's continue with that trend and talk about the trends and why they're so important. <laughs> they are important. They are very important. Yeah. So we recently um, had just pulled together a, a, like a, a, a webinar on these trends. Um, and you had uh, joined us for that, Mary. Um, so one of the first things was that I just mentioned, I feel like um, having seen this a lot in the media and different reports and consumer research, that the, the season has started or is starting basically at the beginning of October. What do you feel has contributed to that? I think it, it always has. Um, I think we're noticing it a lot more this year because of a lot of sourcing issues. Um, it is harder to get inventory than it has been in past. So, um, you know, one of the most important things that a retailer can be doing right now is tracking their orders and what they're receiving. Um, it, a lot of the orders are placed and um, and they get delayed or shipped later or whatever the case may be. But I think, um, I think there's, there's just kind of a, there's kind of a, um, acceptance almost this year of things in the holiday realm starting just a little bit earlier than they have in, in the past. Yeah. Why is that, why is that happening? There's just been a delay. Like in the apparel business, there were a lot of manufacturers that decided, truthfully not to make a fall line because they weren't sure those decisions have to be made earlier in the year. And so they either really pared back what they were making or um, decided not to make it at all. At all. Um, you know, obviously a lot, we get 40% of our apparel from China, 60% of our shoes. So that's, that has to be factored in. And then if you factor in the materials that go to other places that are made in China, there were a lot of delays that really just haven't completely worked themselves out in the, in the whole sourcing world. Yeah. So you're seeing that a lot in apparel. Um, the, the home decor business is, is a little bit delayed as well, just a little bit different. You're seeing things out, but not the full span of things, which I think is also making 
um, it's making the, the season a little more exciting because there really is a lot of new coming in on a, on a very regular basis. So uh, just to clarify a little bit, I'm, I'm still a little confused. So why would um, delays in the products make the season earlier? Well, because they're putting it out as they're getting it, whereas okay. some, of, some of them would have held inventory back. So it's shipping as, as it's being, that's a good question, Joey. Um, it's shipping as it's available. Um, and a lot of times they would hold things to ship or um, people, retailers, frankly, hold things in their back room to put out. And I think with the scarcity of, of inventory as it's been, it's prudent to get things out even if it it's not quite seasonally seasonally appropriate. That's why you've always seen it in department store retail. So everybody gets mad because Christmas goes out, you know, about this time of year, but there really isn't a good filler for those big seasonal areas. You don't want to leave them just empty. So you put things in them and then I'll, I'll be darned people buy them. So um, <laughs> we can be mad about it all we want or not like it, but it's just kind of Oh, you froze a little bit right there. We've missed that last little bit that you just said. But um, one thing I was going to ask them, what about all of the stuff that they may have already had in the store that they couldn't get rid of for the last six months? Does that well, become holiday stock or do they do clearance? Like what happens then? So most of the retailers that I work with, we were fairly aggressive um, as the stores were closed um, to prudently sell it. Um, and sometimes that meant taking discounts. In a lot of cases, it just meant presenting it. There really is disposable income out there and folks were buying. Um, but when the stores opened back up, there were spring, um, kind of early spring and, and late winter items that needed to be clearanced and moved through. So I think we saw a lot of that happen. What it did was it left a little bit of a gap in August um, between when, when some inventory was coming in. So so we did see a little bit of a um, kind of a stagnation of sales in August in a way that I'd, we haven't seen it in the past, but it seemed to be all inventory related. Mm. Okay, it's interesting. So I know there was another trend that we talked about, um, which, which I think really does um, impact this is, and I know people you know, who are independent retailers sort of dread the word Amazon, but <laughs> um, their prime day, which would have been during summer has now been shifted and they think, well, we, I don't think it's been fully announced, but it's in October as far as we know. So by pushing that back into the holiday season, is that going to be a real threat? You know, I think you've got to look at retail in a couple of different segments. You've got to look at the big retail and you've got to look at independent retail and Amazon offers a lot of things that a lot of people offer. Um, does it necessarily get into what independent retail does? I think it depends on the segment that you're in. If you're in um, small appliances or um, some of the things that they put focus around on Prime Day, then you're probably gonna gonna feel the impacts of that. Um, you know, I don't I don't like thinking of Amazon as a competitor to independent retail just because it's so big. And they have the ability to shift things that independent retailers just can't do, nor do they necessarily need to or want to. So they can accommodate their customers, you know, in a, in a personal way, in the way an independent retailer can. So I don't, I don't know that it's going to have, I mean, it obviously has an impact because there's sales dollars out there that get spent in that direction, but I don't know ultimately how big of an impact it'll have towards independent retailers. Okay. Do you think, um, just as a side note, do you think it's worth 
independent retailers putting their products on Amazon? I've never found it to be too successful. Um, they have to pay such a high percentage and um, the service on it is just, you lose, you end up losing so, so much money on what you're selling that you can sell in different ways that I've never found it to be productive with the clients that I work with. Um, mm -hmm. There may be some sectors that it, it would work. Okay. All right. You have to be a pretty big fish in Amazon's world to get any real, um, to get to the top of the stack, so to speak. They have their own distribution and you're competing really with them. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of interesting how you can compete with them on their own platform. Yeah. So um, if you were to promote early, what sort of marketing would you do if you were an independent retailer? Well, I think you got to, you really have to plan it out. Um, I was talking about this with a client of mine this morning that there's a couple of things coming up here. We still have Halloween. Halloween's a huge season. Um, fall is, is a really big season and nobody's ignoring that. There's lots of fall decor that's being sold. Um, fall colors are selling really well. So the, you know, the pumpkin oranges, the deeper, darker yeah. colors are, are really, are really out front. So I think you've got to plan out what you're going to look at. Sorry, Joey. The giant skeletons. Have you guys seen that at Home Depot yet? That eight <laughs> foot tall skeleton thing? <laughs> I haven't been to Home Depot recently. I don't know why, but that's, that's something else. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So, um, well, let's move on to trend, what we think is number two, okay. which is about moving to e-commerce. And there's a I mean, new precedent set this year in sales of e-commerce. And obviously the growth in previous years has just been going up and up. Um, what do you see the impact of that this year? So I think, I think again, we're, if you look at things in, in the different segments that they are and look at where independent retailer is, they've had the ability to flex or pivot, so to speak, well, to what wants and needs are in a whole different way. Did I freeze? Yes, yeah, you can you just repeat that for us? Yeah, I said, I think with independent retailers, um, they've just been able to flex in a whole different way um, to meet their customers' needs. So if, you know, I have clients who don't have e-commerce. And so when everything happened, it, they, they immediately shifted to social media. And then, you know, you make a social media presentation, you offer curbside pickup or shipping or, you know, you invoice them so there's zero contact. There's all kinds of ways to do things. Um, there's no question that e-commerce has gotten a huge jump out of this. It's just um, where will it settle out? Um, and, and, you know, does it mean the death of brick and mortar? And I'll say definitely not. I think we saw that with even the big retailers. Um, people were craving going to Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Target, not just for groceries, but just for um, commodities type, type items. Sure. Okay. Um, on, on that note though, um, you talked about social media as a selling tool, but I mean, trying to draw people to social and being online versus in store. Um, I mean, if, if things have grown so much and people are still nervous about getting out there, what's the best way for them to, to try and reach those customers? Well, I think it, it has forced it has forced some flexibility um, in the in the retailers world too. That whole social selling is very is a very different marketing than 
um, you know, just waiting for the traffic to wander into your store. Um, I do think that that personalizing things to the extent of um, having curbside pickup available, um, offering, you know, in Virginia, we've, we've not had to close our non-essential businesses ever. Um, some of them chose to for a period of time, but it was a much shorter period of time than we, we saw in, in other areas of the country. So um, really providing a safe place to shop. People are getting out and spending, but I think having the flexibility to understand um, what your customers' needs are. So what are, what are their desires? Do they want to come into the store and shop? Do they want to look at your social media page and see what you have and call you up and say, I'd like that top or whatever the case may be or that um, fall decoration that you may have shown um, and having that available for curbside pickup to where they don't have to they don't have to have contact um, I'm yeah. one of those people I'm staying for the most part home um, I've got an elderly parent and um, I'm able to work from home I'm able to shop from home um, I'm able to run by my favorite places and pick up food and those mm -hmm. kind of things so um, you know I'm still in that position where I, I, I'm doing quite a bit of business that way. I've yeah. just learned how to shift it differently. Have you, um, what are your thoughts? Have you heard anything about sort of um, how ca uh, cause marketing might be helping with this? I know personally and with my friend group, and I've seen a lot on like the groups I'm in and social media that the stores and businesses that are vocal about things and then are paying the right messages, it seems like people want to reward them. So my friend group, they're like, well, let's buy something. Let, let's get dinner tonight. Well, we're going to buy from this restaurant that had that great post on social media about staying safe and not this other restaurant that's encouraging people to come in. I, I think there, there is a lot to that. And I think, again, the independents have had such great flexibility. We were talking a little bit before we got on the call about, you know, the differences between the, the retail sectors, the big retail versus the independent retail. And I'm including restaurant into that because restaurants have also had the ability to flex and pro boy, they have provided things in all different ways than I'm sure they ever imagined down to providing um, meals to cook when you take, a, you take them home. Yeah. So they prepare the whole thing and you take it home. But I think independent retail has become a cause in itself because I think there was a lot of attention drawn to it um, during this time that these are real people behind real businesses and their real employment center. And so when you look at having to close down such a large segment of businesses for any period of time, um, it became a cause in, its, in and of itself. So the people who got out there and said, I am Mary and I own my own business and I hope you'll patronize me and these are the things that I have to offer um, has really touched people in a different way. And I think that's, that's contributed to some of the success. But, but there is, I mean, any business owner you talk to right now, they'll tell you they have never worked so hard for every single nickel they're getting. Yeah. So it's, it, it, yeah. it is really just, it's a different, it's a different playing field. It's working, but it's a different playing field. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there's like a Facebook group locally here in Hampton Roads that really was from the consumer point of view, like trying to, you know, support those restaurants and small retailers, but more restaurants than anything. Mm -hmm. And just the people that got behind it and, you know, it really made a difference. Yeah. I think that's the recognition in the, in the example I gave in our kind of pre-conversation was, you know, you have companies like Pier One that when all this came about, they shut their whole chain down. 
and they counted on their e-commerce without a lot of, you know, typical marketing and promotion and those kind of things. And then you take an independent retailer that sells the same type of items who either shut their store down or didn't was on Facebook or Instagram live talking about their business and promoting their business and pure one didn't have that their store managers were not going in and connecting with people and doing lives and selling the merchandise from out of the store in the same way that independent retailers were and i don't i don't mean this to be a, a you know a, a, a an advertisement for independent retailers but i think it's been an impressive um group of people and it's kind of really survival of those who were able to flex with the situation um well, you've got so much more power when you're an independent you, you know, do. You, you have your own social media, you know, you, you've got that control. Right. You know, the bigger stores, it wouldn't matter if you're a peer one store, you, you don't necessarily have the ability to post anything. That's right. That's right. That's and so, so what happens at the end of that is peer one shut, shut its entire chain down. I mean, it, it couldn't, it couldn't survive that. So we're, I don't think we're done seeing that type of retail go away. We've seen some big retailers just fold up and close their doors and we're not the 27 just this year or something. Yeah, I, I don't even remember all, all of them the ones you know there's ones that have completely folded up and then there's ones that have filed bankruptcy that are clearly um, on a very detrimental path so it's it's really hard to, it's hard to watch um, from a lot of perspectives but it does interesting things to the marketplace and can you know it's driving rent prices down it's making negotiations very different for leases it's um, it's yeah creating a very different situation in a shopping center. Mm -hmm. yeah, and you definitely, you know, you, you obviously are a lot more in this than I am and you have the research and everything to back it up. It just seems to me that if we're buying online, I either want to buy from someone who I want to support and has a story or I'm just going to go to Amazon. It seems like those middle like pure ones are just, why would I go to pure one when I can buy locally or just do it on Amazon? Mm -hmm. I don't go to pure one. Part <laughs> <laughs> of support. Really, <laughs> It just seems to be like, it seems to be the way that it's going. And, and I think a lot of people that are shopping online or at least people, um, like it seems like the younger generations, Gen Z and stuff, they want to support, they want a message and a, yeah. and a connection with their product. No. And that's, that's been one of the things that the owners, you know, the owners have really had to play an active role. Even if they had somebody else doing their social media, they've had to jump in and be the face of the company. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been very, it's very different for them. A lot of them have not been comfortable as, as a lot of people aren't in, getting from, <laughs> in front of a camera, but they've done it and they've created a different connection and it's, it really is working. Much more personal, I feel. It is. It is. It's really, it really has changed a lot of things um, as far as connecting with, connecting with the customer. So I know um, going back to your comment about, um, you know, maybe having, uh, the different type of you know bringing people in store still that you know the, whether it's delivery or curbside or whatever it is but um, the third trend that we were talking about was that stores are still vital you know yeah. the stores are still you know relevant um, maybe a little bit more for fulfillment than it was for shopping because safety is a concern but that uh, let's talk a little bit about that trend so having to pivot to curbside delivery that's a, and for restaurants the same thing not having the dine-in, you know, how do you think, what was your perception of how that all sort of occurred? And Well, I think it, you know, again, it's, it's a shift, but it, it hasn't, it hasn't completely died off. So, you know, people are saying all, it's all e-commerce. Well, I don't know that we've seen it all settle out yet. Um, there's, again, no question that the e-commerce popped, but 
people are still shopping in stores and you're seeing it a lot um you know in different parts of the country it's it's more it's more prominent than than others where it just really i mean it has had very little impact in some places right um, and, and so they haven't had to shift you know as much as as some of the others but um again it goes to kind of how the owner has handled that and the connection the connection that the owner is making with the with yeah. the customers um Bopus is a you know buy buy online pick up in store is a bit of a trend as well to try and try, draw those people into the store maybe you know treating them a little differently um, with you know the curbside pickup or you know having a different register just for them for safety purposes because that is the biggest concern. Well, so, safety and, and convenience. I mean, this whole pick up pick up at the store started before we had a pandemic. You know, the grocery stores were starting to offer that. You know, you do your order, we'll get it all backed up for you and you pull up to the curb and pick it up and ride off. That all started before the pandemic. Um, I think largely for the, the grocery business because they were a little more prepared to deal with things in that way than, than maybe the rest of the rest of the world. Like they still had to shift and adjust and it was very, you know, it became a demand in a whole nother way. But when you look at where the staffing, so, you know, reading up where, where are companies hiring for, where are they staffing? They're staffing the same amounts, if not more, in their stores. If you look at the number that that targets hiring and Home Depot and, and those kind of kind of places for seasonal help, they're hiring the same and or more employees than they had in the past. They're just utilizing them in different ways. I did see that there was uh, like one of the big boxes were bringing on like hundreds of thousands of employees, but they're all for fulfillment. They weren't right. going to be necessarily in store, right? Know, in the, each department, it was and going to be. Independents are having to do that to, to some extent as well, to hire for not necessarily customer facing, but some of the shipping or preparing things or um, people to just keep the stores clean. Um, you know, in the apparel world, again, people are always going to want to see, feel and touch. So, you know, most people want to try on a pair of shoes or try on a, a, a top or at least women, women in particular do. Um, and we're seeing that, we're seeing that definitely, you know, in a, in a trend. Um, so it's, I mean, again, they're having to do things like hire people to clean. Um, so having additional hours for cleaning, um, which in, in apparel world, a lot of it's steaming because you can use the steam to um, be very sanitary in a, in a retail environment and retail apparel environment. Um, but but the fulfillment is is also an issue. You know, if you have curbside pickup, you have to get that ready. You're throwing the sale up. It has to be ready to go and and run out to the car. So, yeah. So someone has to be you know manning both. That's Can't right. just have one person in the store. Yeah, that's true. So is it? Yeah. I mean, is there anything else on that trend that was like uh, that was our third trend? I know we've got two more to go. We're sort of running a little <laughs> Sorry, I'm time. No, 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 this is really interesting. So um, yeah. we talked earlier about um, having shipping delays and things from China and yeah. um, also I know essential goods were the priority. Um, so some of things had been held back because of those essential, um, you know, antibacterial and stuff like that. So uh, one of the, the number trend, number trend, number four trend is the last mile delivery will run out of capacity. For people who don't understand what that is, that is literally from where it is from the store to the door. It's that last, you know, when it goes out for delivery. <laughs> I think it's all of the above, though, because it's getting goods. I mean, 
that's why a lot of a lot of the stores I'm working with are front loading product for the fourth quarter. They're buying it earlier than they necessarily would have, which does a lot of things to the business. But um, to make sure that they have it in time to take care of the customer. But that whole shipping piece of it, you know, we've seen the post office has been jammed up. FedEx has, is at a different capacity, so is UPS. So you've got, you know, and they're charging now as well. Like, yeah, those main carrier, carrier. What did carriers. you say? Well, the main carrier carriers are all um, charging extra surcharges. Yeah, they are. You know, so yeah, you've got to take that into account when you, and that's how you, I think, as an independent, you can set yourself apart to mm -hmm. for people to come in store. You don't have the delay, right. you don't have the extra cost of the shipping. Uh, there is advantages to having a storefront. Well, in the height of this, in the height of the pandemic, I would consider it like kind of March, April, May. If you ordered something from Amazon, it, you were no longer getting it in a day. It was taking up to two weeks to get delivery. And you could order from an independent. And I did. Like I made a conscious effort, obviously, with what I do to order from independent. And I would have some things sometimes within a day or two. So their ability to react to a situation has been completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, shop small. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredibly important. Um, I think what you were saying too about um, making those buys a little earlier as well, like you, you don't leave it. I mean, a lot of people have already done their Christmas buys earlier anyway um, in the well, year. Market, haven't they? happened differently this year. Like in, in a lot of cases, so the markets that the retailers go to, a lot of those flat out didn't happen. So it was dealing direct with manufacturers um, to source to source goods, which was a whole different channel than the manufacturers were used to, which has yeah. created a whole nother set of delays. And then when you have limited product, you've got to kind of mm -hmm. be the squeaky wheel. That's why I talk about so much the importance of, of order tracking. Once you place an order, having a tickler file or some way if your if your point of sale system doesn't track it you've got to have some way to know exactly what you've got out there so that you're following up um following up with regularity because it's I, I always say the very polite squeaky wheel is the one who gets the grease and you can't be you, you you've got to be relentless with um sourcing goods but at the same time you can't be obnoxious and, yeah right but um on that note though in terms of the market do you think that that would be a permanent change that people are going to get used to dealing straight with the manufacturers? No, I, I've had more, um, again, and most of my clients are women's apparel, home decor. I have some, um, I have some bookstores and some sporting goods, um, that I work with, but in particular in women's apparel, they feel kind of hogtied by, um, not being able to see, feel, and touch in the same way that we go shop. You know, I, as the consumer, go see, feel, and touch. They feel that way and not being able to make those selections at market. It's very, very difficult to know exactly what you're getting. So yeah, um, there are some markets happening now. And then, you know, LA, um, the apparel district is open in a limited capacity. So there, there are some, um, some ways to source goods that are just, you know, a little less handy than people are used to, but they're used to being able to go to market, you know, four times a year and being able to source what they need. And um, a lot mm -hmm. of that involves New York and Las Vegas and those just were not yeah, available. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, that would have take, take so much more time now having to do it all individually. Yeah. I can imagine having, you know, not just going to one place and getting everything for right. the holiday season, you know. Right. 
it takes it yeah. takes a lot more time and then you know again the follow-up that it takes to make sure you know what's coming and when it's coming and how that's going to impact your cash flow as far as you know with what's going on are you are you you know buying the right numbers are you inflating your inventory um to a point where it's going to really hurt your cash flow and then you know there's there are still some some questions about what's going to take place in fourth quarter are people you know are people really shopping early um are they going to shop as much or as deep as they have in the past um you know technically we're in a recession but it doesn't it doesn't truly feel that way in the apparel world with the way people are spending money mm -hmm. and i was um there was a webinar the other day um from a financial company and they were saying like this recession is very different to previous recessions where the 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 rebound is a lot quicker yeah. than in previous recessions. So it may be that the end, that we're coming out of it already. We just, you know, it'll, you know it's a wait it, and see, really. It feels like almost, I, I hate to, I've said this a couple of times, but it feels like almost a fake recession. Um, and somebody who's lost their job probably doesn't feel that way. But it, it feels like a very, very temporary situation based on circumstances that are tangible. And most recessions are based on circumstances that are not really tangible. So it's it's kind of the flow of the market, so to speak. This is fixable. I mean, this is this is a fixable situation. Um, we can all behave ourselves a little bit for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jerry, do you remember what the last trend was? Um, no, I can look it up for you, though. No, no, no. I think I had it. Really you ever memorized? It's about um, media and the clutter. I mean, we've got it's election oh, yeah. year. There is like the health pandemic. You know, there's economic clutter issues. There's so the much media. going on. So clutter in the media. Yeah. yeah. And I think that goes back to differentiating differentiating yourself as a retailer. Um, what you do, what you have, um, who you are, how it impacts your family, how it impacts your employees. Um, the media is telling kind of one story about retail and this is kind of the tendency they're talking about retail as a whole and if you lump it all together it tells a very different picture than if you peel it apart in its pieces um, so you know you've got you've got your cluster of what I would call Home Depot Target Walmart Lowe's those that thrive during the if you look at the stock prices of any one of those companies it dipped it went completely down in March and then it soared and their, their, their stock prices are probably higher than they've ever been. So the, those, those are companies that are financially doing well. I, I know Target's probably very thankful because they were having their own struggles. Um, but then you take the, you take the mid-sized retailers. So you take a Steinmart or um, some of the mid-sized folks that really were kind of um, bumping along and struggling a little bit. Um, that's a different segment. And I say Steinmart, Pier 1, um, some of the ch some of the chains that really have just been kind of bumping along and we're in some pretty brutal leases um, that kind of brought everything to a screeching halt so and then you've got then you've got the independent retailers and the independent retailers have had some some really amazing flexibility with PPP and EIDL loans and um, having the ability to negotiate their leases with their landlords having that individual contact with their landlords mm -hmm. uh, most of the landlords played along I mean, for the most part, I would say when they could, um, yeah. in, in the client group that I've gotten, again, I'm in 24 states, um, Canada, and then I always like to point out I've got one in Alaska because that's kind of fun. Um, but I've got a kind of broad view of what, what went on across 
across each of the, the parts of the United States. And I would say probably 90% of the, of the landlords really um, took a haircut with the retailers when they needed it most. So that March and April, um, and then they were able to come back with, you know, PPP and EIDL money to help satisfy some of those needs. So the media really kind of lumps it all together, but if you peel it apart, it really has a very, very different picture. Mm -hmm. And I think getting that cut through, um, you know, being able to communicate that uniqueness about getting your products earlier, you know, without the shipping delays, to be able to, you know, do the pickups, you know, being able to know who your customers are through social media, to be able to target them, personalize an offer to them. You know, there's just so much more opportunity to cut through um, that they can take advantage of. Yeah. As you say, you segment retail, but you also segment your customers as well. So right. If you can sort of look at who's comfortable, who's feeling safe, who's, you know, a little bit uh, still can't come in yet, but and do different offers to those different segments, I think, you know, small businesses could really come through very well with this. Yeah, I don't think there's any retailer that you could look at under any circumstances before or after the pandemic that will, will sit still and say everything's good. I think they all have a natural fear that the world's going to come to a stop and nobody's ever going to come into their store again. And, you know, that's, that's just, a, it's a very common fear when you have a business that all of a sudden it's just going to, everything's going to stop. I think what we showed during this pandemic is that won't happen under any circumstances, because this was probably the most brutal of circumstances for a retailer or any other business owner to go through. Yeah, there was no build up. It was like, bang. <laughs> I mean, it just stopped. I mean, I, I, I know, I can tell you where I was and what, what, what was going through in my mind. And I, I thought, surely the whole country can't shut down. I mean, this, surely we can handle this and and then things started to, to unfold and they started to unfold in different pockets they they unfolded for me first my client in colorado um she's in the breckenridge area which was you know this was the beginning of spring break for her it's her biggest week of the year and um and the, and they shut the ski slopes down she said i don't know if anybody's going to come if the ski slopes are shut well one but two days later or they shut the whole town down mm. and so she called me and said the store's gonna have to close and it was the next day after that that Los Angeles closed which you know California I should say California but, but the LA market is was the secondary source for getting product after China so it's like oh good gracious where are we gonna get product from so there's there's been a just kind of messy unfolding of all of this yeah. that has been um, Kind of, kind of cruel, but I think it also has taught retailers that they can survive anything if they're willing to, and I hate the word pivot, I, no. I like the word flex. <laughs> I, if they, okay, let's you know, it's like, I'm so tired. There's certain terms I'm just like, ugh, pivot's one of them, and it's like- Unprecedented, hey. <laughs> yeah, but if they're flexible, if they, if they, can, if they can bend and, and be flexible and, and really understand their business and their clients, um, I think they've captured a whole different group and a whole different piece of loyalty like Joey was talking about with his friend group. I think people understand that small businesses really are the economic engine to this country and we have to keep them, we have to keep them vital. Mm -hmm. We agree completely. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we are out of time, Kylie. I know. <laughs> well, it was lovely <laughs> to speak to you, Mary. Lovely to speak to you guys too. Thanks for having me. Thank you.